This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Time to talk to my friend Luke Takak, columnist, news and observer. He was there last night. We're going to get to... 67 shots in honor of the debut of the man wearing number 67 for the Carolina Hurricanes, Max Pacioretty. But we're going to start with the game you were at the arena for the other night. I'm going to start with State and Duke. Your thoughts, Mr. Luke, on not only what we watched, but the significance of what we watched. Yeah, Duke having, I think, three field goals on 67 shots. Feels about right. Um, <laughs> now, you know, I mean, a couple things there. I mean, obviously, Duke struggled at PNC before. Yeah, I don't ever remember, ever remember a Duke team getting absolutely just big man the way that the Blue Devils did um, by a team that wasn't, you know, a, a, a national power. Like, you know, NC State's a, a bubble team. I, I think, you know, they have a, a path forward. They should be in the tournament. Um, but that's not, you don't look at NC State, especially with Usama Horchik out and say, well, it's a big physical team that's going to push you around. Uh, NC State shot the lights out and pushed Duke around. I mean, Kyle Filipowski got dunked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Burns was just a, had his way in the second half. I mean, this is a guy who was at Winthrop last year playing against, you know, top 50 NBA draft prospects and, and bullying them around. And so I, I you know, I think John Shire has got some work to do. We know he's not his mentor. He's not his predecessor. Uh, but his predecessor, we all know what he would have done in this situation. The jerseys on the floor, the box <laughs> changed on the doors, Cameron at midnight, whatever. There's an old, long Mike Krzyzewski playbook of when you feel that your team is mentally and physically not tough. And Jeremy Roach said it, soft, timid. Like, there's, there's no hiding from this. Uh, so we'll, it'll be interesting to see how John Shire handles this. He's a different kind of coach. He's younger. He's more in tune, I think, with this generation just because he's closer to it and, and understands it. Um, but he's got to find a way to get his team to play tougher because when they got going uh, at certain points late in the first half, early in the second half at times, Duke looked okay. Mm-hmm. But as soon as something would go wrong, they just the, the Blue Devils just kind of folded. There's no toughness at all. And, that's just not what you think of when you think of Duke basketball. We've seen it come and go, obviously, over the years, especially in the one-and-done era. But I just don't remember a game where Duke just got beat down that badly, both physically and mentally, by a team that you didn't expect it coming in. Maybe, you know, against a Syracuse team with five seniors or something. But, you know, this was different. That said, State played great. And as, as the great NC State basketball philosopher Sidney Lowe would say, gotta make shots. <laughs> yeah, and State did absolutely make shots. It took a while. It took three some minutes before anybody made a shot. Uh, and then once the lid came off for State, it really came off. Here's the thing about it I actually thought going into the game that it was just a bad matchup for Duke because State's strength is two super quick guards. And I don't believe Duke has a player anywhere on their roster who can stay in front of Jarkel Joyner or Turquavian Smith. They get wherever they want with the ball. Uh, the only way I thought the only way Duke was going to win that, and there's a path for it, was to dominate the interior, but they kept turning it over. And 21 empty possessions, for, forget about a missed shot, 21 turnovers pretty much dooms you against the team that can get out and play good chaos ball, which it doesn't appear that Duke can do. No, and, and, you know, I think I think what they really need, John Shire aside, is, you know, Jeremy Roach is the veteran on the team. He's experienced. 
He's been through it. Um, they need him to step forward and lead, and this is that time. Um, maybe it didn't come together for him until now, and it certainly didn't Wednesday night, but now is the time, and he's got to take charge of this team and be the alpha dog. Um, he wasn't on the basketball court Wednesday. He's got to do that off the court and then on the court going forward. Now, if Duke is going to turn this around, there's, there's no reason Duke can't. It's been a discombobulated season because of the injuries to, to Whitehead and Lively and all of that, but you know, I look at this Duke team – and I don't see a leader. I think it will be Jeremy Roach in the end, but I don't see it right now. And I don't know who scores for Duke against good teams. Like, you talked about staying in front of Turquavian Smith and Jarkel Jenner. How about just going toe-to-toe with them? Like, who wins a game of horse on Duke with those guys? Right. So Duke's got to figure that out. It should be Whitehead. I don't know that Lively has that much offensive upside. We've got a pretty good book on him by now but but as whitehead gets healthier he's got to start scoring he's got to be an explosive scorer for duke because the other guys they have just just aren't capable at this point there's no explode i don't who has the best first step on that team and again i i thought that that game was more about state than it was about duke but i totally understand the margin was probably about duke uh but i liked state in the game going in simply because of the matchup all right last night Max Pacioretty, who wears number 67, drew into the lineup for the first time this year. Carolina had 67 shots. My fear is that when Andre Kasha comes back, who wears number 73, it's going to be it's going to be even uglier. Two more shots, Adam, for the kids. Two more <laughs> shots. Could have done it. Right. Uh, it, it. You know, I mean, it, 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 I, I wrote this. It, it was like Paul Murray's flashback night, right? Great zone time. Uh, ran into a hot goalie. It, Rod Brindamore's right. Sometimes it happens. Um, but this is not a team that should score three goals and 67 shots with UC Soros or anybody in net. And and finishing has been an issue for this team all year. Yep. Max Pacioretty supposed to help with that. He had chances uh, in, in the game last night mm-hmm. for sure. Um, he sh- I mean, you could see it. He didn't score, but he may have the quickest shot on the team in terms of his release and, 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 the, and the pop on it. So he's going to be okay. Um, but, but the Hurricanes in general, this, this is a longstanding problem. Sure. They've got to find a way to finish chances. I, I do think some of that is the law of averages. But when you get into a game last night, it's something that hasn't happened to this team in 40 years. Uh, it, it becomes a, 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 a bit crazy. But that's it, man. You show up hoping to see Max Pacioretty and wave at Nino Niederreiter, and you end up seeing history. That's that's sports, man. Andrei Svechnikov had 10 scoring chances, five of them great A's, and he had no points. <laughs> he, he was otherwise great, but he just couldn't buy a goal. I don't know how he didn't score on the power play with about two minutes left. I mean, UC yeah. Soros was laying down, uh, napping, and we, I don't know. Andre couldn't get it past Soros or to hit a leg on the way through. I don't know, but I he couldn't figure Soros, out. He said Soros got a piece of it, and I kind of said, "What happened?" And he was like, "I shot it." and He made a save. Like there literally were no words to describe <laughs> what happened, other than like that was a completely open net, and he got his whatever on it. So it was it was weird. I mean, look, give Soros credit; he played great, and he but, played great against the Hurricanes before. I mean, yep. This is not his first 50-save win over the Hurricanes, which is a crazy thing to say. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, 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 you look at the roster, everybody but Jesperi Kokiemi had at least one shot on goal, and Kokiemi had three blocks. So it's not like he wasn't involved. Um, you know, the power play looked good. I mean, 
Paul Stastny at one point looked like, like, like his head was spinning because Natchez and Sveshnikov were flying around him so fast. Yeah. He had great chances too. He played well with those guys. Yep. Um, it just one of those weird nights. Now that said, three goals should be enough to beat that Nashville team. Yes. The way the Hurricanes played last night. You know, they, they, they lost track of Forsberg on the first goal, and, and Kajikov was small. Uh, they screwed up a face-off coverage. They left three guys, left the guy at the post to go take other guys, and it's the most open Cody Glass is ever going to be. Mm-hmm. I asked Rod this after the game. I think it was so easy for them that they just switched off a little bit on defense. He disagreed. He said, this, you know, it's just flips, mistakes that can't happen, whatever. But I think, honestly, they were buzzing so much. And it was so easy, and it was so much just like shinny out there, whipping it around and taking shots and making passes that when it came to the details on the defensive end, they just kind of flipped a little bit, and it cost them because three goals should be enough to win in a game like that. All right, final they thing. They score 15. But. <laughs> final thing on this, Luke DeCock. Second game in a row where Kachetkov was, uh, there, there were at least one, probably two bad goals allowed. Uh, any concern in your mind? Uh, no, I mean, I think it's a, you're dealing with a rookie in January of a season. He wasn't expecting to be in the NHL. I, I didn't, I wasn't as harsh on him last night as you were. I, he, he was small on the Forsberg shot, but you're talking about the hottest player in the league, mm-hmm. 15 feet of open ice. And Forsberg may score on that no matter how well Kachekov plays sure. it. Uh, the fourth goal was a tip. The fifth yeah. is an empty netter. Um, the glass goal, he was just completely hung out to dry. That was not he, his fault. Yeah, it, it's 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 so. I mean, I, I thought he was fine. He made a couple of really nice saves. You know, he made a great save in tight on Nino Niederreiter. He did um, that that would have put the Predators in the lead. So I, I thought he was fine. He, that was a night where they needed him to match Soros and win the game for them um, because they weren't on their on their 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 toes defensively. There were some slip ups where you need your goalie to bail you out, whether it's leaving the hottest player in the league wide open at the right circle on the penalty kill or whatever. Uh, but I. I would have started come back with Ronta after the Rangers game. I get why they didn't, but I would have I, I would have changed up on that, and I'm sure they will now. Um, but but you know I'm sure this is a lot for a kid like that. Uh-huh. Um, we 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 expect a lot of him because he's talented and he's he's got a quirky personality and all of that. But but we're asking a lot of him, and it's not surprising if he tails off a, a hair here, and that's why you've got Antti Ranta, and presumably Freddie Anderson will be back at some point soon. He's been practicing for almost a month now, or maybe it is a month today. Um, you know, and and, uh, and and then that takes some of the pressure off. But, you know, Kachekov will be around. I think he's earned the right to stay up here for a while. He's earned the right to keep playing. I think there's there's room for a three-goalie rotation, given the schedule. And um, But, but yeah, I, I think we're seeing a little bit of a dip in his play, but not unexpectedly so. Luke Takak of the News and Observer is joining us here. Follow him on Twitter, at Luke Takak. And I want to thank you, before I ask you another question, thank you for your help on the uh, final three episodes of the 25th Anniversary Canes Corner Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Twenty, Just uh, search Hurricane or Carolina Hurricanes 25th Anniversary Podcast. All right, so the National Football League canceled the Bills and Bengals. Ain't playing that. Uh, and now they're in the process of voting to see, I don't know how they can change rules to benefit or work against the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know what they're doing. Why isn't it enough that they just go with the rule that they've got, which is winning percentage? 
Yeah, it's a little it's a little hinky to me. I mean, I think everybody's been thrown off a little bit by this situation. I mean, I don't ever remember a situation where every single person on Twitter responded to every update with, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Like, like this has just been jarring for everybody. Like, everybody's sort of thrown off by watching a guy almost die on national television from what appeared to be a totally innocuous play. Um, so I think we're all a little rattled uh, by, what's, by what's happened since Monday um, and, and thrilled by the way things have turned out. So I think that probably extends to the NFL and its competition committee and the owners who are all maybe a little flustered and, and, and dealing with a no contest or playoff implications. But the solution here is simple. The solution is a neutral site AFC championship game at Ford Field so the Lions finally get to host a late-round playoff. <laughs> I, see, I thought if you do it in Indianapolis, the Colts can hang another banner. Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete DeRuta with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? Really, there's no too soon. It's time to get serious. So if you're 50 or over, we call it the financial red zone. And that's when really it's time for you to take control of your money and, and make sure you have a firm on your side that's a fiduciary planning firm, which means they take your side at all times. Now, we'll do this for the next 10 of you who call. This is a $1,000 value, but I'm going to waive my planning fee to make sure you get your total retirement plan and you get on the right path for retirement. Call 888-843-0013, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Uh, did the Predators hang a banner last night? Uh, <laughs> UC 64 saves? <laughs> they should. That's a lot of they saves. Might. They might. It, so, look, I am I am absolutely against a uh, a neutral site AFC championship game. Like, just just deal with it. Just, it's okay. Like, considering the circumstances, complaining about whatever inequities in a sport that is laden with inequities for crying out loud, they played 17 regular season games. So half the league played fewer home games than the other half of the league. So why, why are we worried about this? Just play. It's like, sorry, such is life. Deal with it, which is what they always tell us anyway. Just suck it up and deal with it. But no, we got to complain next, and change rules. Up. Yeah. Next man up. <laughs> right. Ex- exactly. Next man up. Uh, are you ready? Do you first of all do you think that the president will approve a ninety team NCAA tournament? No, I mean I, I, I I'm concerned about it. Um, I don't think it's 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 great for the sport because I don't have a lot of trust in the way it would be implemented uh, at the moment. But I also don't get the sense from people on the inside on the basketball committee and in the world uh, of college basketball, whether it's the coaches association or whatever. Um, that there's a lot of momentum for it. Just because you're allowed to go to this percentage, which we give you 90 right. teams, um, does, does it mean that you have to? And this is the, the legislation that's being talked about is really for other sports, and it, it gets caught up in basketball because that's such a, a hot-button issue. I do think as the television deal comes up for renewal in a few years, um, you know, the NCAA is going to a lot, want a lot more money out of that deal, it's like the ACC's deal. It's become over, undervalued over time. And one way to get more value for Turner and CBS, assuming they're back in, um, is to create more games. And, you know, if you look, if you listen to people who are smart about this, and, and they're not people who have a vested interest like Ken Pomeroy and John Gassaway, people who pay really close attention to this stuff. If you add another eight games to the NCAA tournament, another eight teams, um, and go to 72, 
or uh, I'm sorry, go to to, to 76. Um, or or I'm, uh, the math is off in my head. There's a way to do it where you basically just expand the first four, right? Um, and make it all at large teams. The teams that get in, the vast majority of them are mid majors. So it's not stacking the deck in favor of the SEC and ACC and Big Twelve. Although these days, ACC is not even in that conversation because what's it going to do with a sixth team at this point? But um, you know, it's it's it, it, it would it might be good for the game if you have a big Tuesday, Wednesday at large, predominantly mid-major, you know, first 16 or whatever. So there, there is some, some possibility to do this and do this right. But I don't think there's enough momentum for it to happen until the television deal is involved. And, and you know what? That's fine. 68 is actually a pretty good number. We well, get it's teams in the tournament. And the teams that miss usually miss for a reason. Like yeah. Wake Forest could have gotten in. Not Nothing they did that, that was out of their control kept them out of the tournament. It was entirely in their control. Right. I mean, really, other than NC State, the year they got sent to the NIT, the first year of the net, um, where they, you know, they, they tried to play a good non-conference schedule. It didn't work out that way, and they got burned by it. Um, you know, teams that, that don't make the tournament usually don't make it for a reason at 68. So I, I'm fine with staying here. I'm less against expansion than I was maybe even six months ago because I've started to see people who are really smart lay out plans where it makes sense. And if you can explain it to me in a way where it really does make sense and doesn't dilute things and doesn't stretch it out, um, then I'm okay with it because uh, it's a fun tournament. And if you add games, you know, that, that's adding to the experience. I, I do think you run the risk of ruining it if you can't get a bracket on one page of paper. Uh, but maybe I'm just old-fashioned. We'll use legal pads at that point, Luke DeCock. Here's the thing. Um, I don't think you'll ever ruin the tournament. I think that is the, uh, that's the fallacy. But I do think that there isn't as much money in an expanded tournament as people think. And, I mean, there'd be more money in just tearing the contract up and redoing it. Forget about adding however many more games that is. Uh, and I disagree. I think that we would add mostly major conference schools. I think we would add do most. You, yes, I do. I believe do, we do would. Your, do your research. Uh, no, I, I, go, I understand. They, the, num- the numbers are actually really interesting because I thought the same thing, and then I've seen it laid out, and I thought, okay, well, maybe maybe it's, uh, maybe maybe it wouldn't be so bad. So what, what why, would Greg Sankey, why would Greg Sankey argue for more teams from the Missouri Valley Conference? Well, he, he's not explicitly. No, but, I mean, if... if if they believe, because they, they've done their research too, if they believe, if Greg Sankey is the one out there uh, waving the flag for this, if they believe it would be good for the mid-majors, he wouldn't care. They're doing it to get more units for the SEC. I mean, it's a rising tide is going to lift all boats. <laughs> um, and a bigger television deal is going to make more money for everybody. But I, again, I would caution you to think about this, that what Sankey is pushing at the Division One Transformation Committee is not necessarily basketball-focused. Baseball. Do it baseball. The example that he's used the most is baseball and Mississippi State. So, um, you know, I I wouldn't necessarily put too much into the motivation on that the way, say, last two summers ago with the college football playoff where there was clearly an angle being played by the <laughs> SEC and Notre Dame trying to slip a fast one past everybody. I don't, I don't think that's the same here. The, the transformation committee recommendations may have an impact on basketball. They're not basketball driven. This is really for sports like soccer, um, baseball, 
um, sports that don't have the same representation and, and finding ways to give more athletes a chance to compete in championships. Um, I don't think it's quite as cynical as that on the basketball side. But I do think there are some unintended consequences that people like Sankey may not be expecting when you really dig into the numbers. I will see you next Tuesday night when Dougie Hamilton comes back to PNC Arena when the Devils come to town. I look forward to that, Luke. The Devils, potential first-round playoff matchup. Oh, my gosh. We haven't played the Devils in, what, two playoff rounds. No, we haven't played them since in the Rod Brindamore era. That's right. Yeah, 14 years. Be fun. All right, I'll talk to you later. Thank you, sir. At Luke DeCock on Twitter. I chose William Peace University because of the small class sizes. I feel that you get more one-on-one time with teachers. With class sizes like about 16 per teacher, you can really get that one-on-one help a lot of students need. A 12-to-1 student-to-faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu.